Hey everybody, Swipe here. Uh, today I'm joined by someone who is somewhat new to the Kindoceras community, uh, but a longtime personal friend of mine, the lore extraordinaire Aetherrock himself. Tell us uh, who you are. So yeah, I've been playing Warcraft. Uh, I've been playing Warcraft games since I was a kid. I probably started when I was like seven or eight. Uh, that was back in uh, back in the nineties when Warcraft Two was out, and I loved that game. Warcraft Two was probably one of the two or three games I played as a kid, other than like Super Smash Brothers and Zelda. And uh, yeah, ever since then, uh, it's been like a daily thing. I've always played Warcraft games, loved uh, pretty much anything Blizzard's put out too. Although I wasn't allowed to play Diablo as a kid, uh, nonetheless. I've always been pretty wrapped up in Blizzard's products. I'm pretty good at handing them my money. And uh, ever since uh, ever since then, it's been Warcraft 2, then the Warcraft 2 uh, expansion, uh, Warcraft 3, and then the Frozen Throne. It's been a shitload of time on Battle.net. And uh, I got to play WoW, actually, when it first came out, but only for a couple months because I didn't know there was a recurring subscription. Came back during Wrath, and I've pretty much been playing ever since. Only took a couple breaks here and there. Cool. So you you did you started with Blizzard stuff a long time ago, probably even before me. I think Diablo two was the the first experience I had with any Blizzard content. Yeah, uh, Diablo two was out around. Um, I think that was around the same era as Warcraft two, but that may have come a little bit later. Maybe it was Warcraft three where Diablo two came out. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, um, now that we've learned a little bit about you, let's get into the reason I asked you on the show today for this this bonus episode. Um, I know you as being quite the the lore extraordinaire, as we previously said, and there's definitely uh, been some some questions by the community lately. Um, the question that's been plaguing the WoW subreddit for all of BFA: Did Sylvanas really do nothing wrong? Uh, but we all know she did because she burned down Teldrassil and that was not cool. But uh, she does have her motivations, despite them not being clear to a vast majority of the player base. So tell us uh, about Sylvanas. Start at the beginning and uh, let us know, you know, why she's doing what she's doing. Oh, man. So I kind of wish I had a Horde character just to kind of see like what, sh- what went on during BFA. And I got to make one because I got that achievement to get, I get those mounts. But uh I mean, Sylvanas goes back to like Warcraft three when uh, she first gets introduced. When Arthas has already uh, picked up Frostmourne and is going down his dark path to becoming the uh, the second Lich King, and uh, he essentially gets stopped by Sylvanas uh, because he's been instructed to get up to the Sunwell to help resurrect Kel'Thuzad and a bunch of other crazy stuff that he ends up doing. Uh, nonetheless, he ends up succeeding and uh, kills her, but uh, instead of actually letting her just die off, he ends up resurrecting her as like a personal agent of his. And uh, she wasn't really too keen on that ever since. Uh, Sylvanas has been pretty spiteful of Arthas ever since that. She did, however, like not seem to really care too much about uh, kind of rejoining her her elven family, so to speak. Ever since she became undead, she's kind of just been bent on vengeance against Arthas. And uh, I really don't remember where she was at, like in Vanilla WoW, but um, part of the Frozen Throne storyline, you get to play as Sylvanas. She she gains a little bit of her own free will when Illidan cracks Northrend, and uh, he ends up getting stopped. And uh, this causes the original Lich King's power to seep out, so... Arthas uh, has to rush back to Northrend, 
he actually gets poisoned by Sylvanas at one point, and uh, she just kind of hightails off, and so does Arthas. Uh, they never really kind of got to duke it out at that point. But her and the rest of the Forsaken at that point, that's kind of what, you know, that's what they named themselves. Uh, they were free from the Lich King, but I have had no idea what she's been up to since then, other than just trying to be the awkward kid at school trying to fit in. So for uh, for those who don't know, just to kind of go back a little bit, I know you mentioned that Arthas was actually the second Lich King. Some oh, people yeah. might not know, you know, the origins of that. So uh, who was the first and, you know, who was it that you mentioned he was uh, being told to go and do things? Um, what's the story behind that? Oh, yeah. So Arthas is, ends up becoming the second Lich King. The first Lich King was actually Ner'zhul which uh, I regret not getting a better chance to see in Warlords of Draenor. Ner'zhul was one of the uh, orc, uh, I think it was actually Warchief at one point, uh, at least for a little bit after the first invasion. Um, he was part of the uh, one of the clans, I think, in uh, Shadowman Valley or something. I'm not sure, but I didn't get to uh, witness a whole lot of what happened in Warlords of Draenor, but that's an alternate timeline anyway. So it's kind of a anything-goes type deal. But I thought it'd be pretty interesting to see him in that expansion. The thing is, Ner'zhul in the primary storyline, um, he caught on to what the Burning Legion was up to, and he tried to escape through one of the dark portals that was branching out. And he got caught by Kill Jaden, and uh, Kill Jaden killed him and embedded his soul in a uh, in a block of ice that he pulled out of the Twisting Nether. And also with that ice happened to be the Helm of Domination, and uh, he hurled that through through space basically and sent that all the way to Azeroth and that was kind of the seed that was getting planted uh, it was like 30 40 years in advance uh Ner'zhul's spirit essentially uh was the first victim of the helm of domination and uh he uh he gained a lot of power by doing that and being just a spirit he didn't really have much else to do other than focus on his uh telepathic abilities and his ability to control the uh the currently brooding undead in Northrend. There's actually a lot that went on between uh, Ner'zhul and the Lich King form and the Nerubians that went down. They had a whole war up in there where the Nerubians and the undead were going at it. Uh, big time Nerubian player, uh, Anubarak. Uh, he was a pretty big defender for the uh, uh, for the uh, Nerubians, and then he ended up dying, getting resurrected. Anubarak actually teams up with Arthas went on Arthas's return to Northrend. And uh, yeah, so that split, that uh, that crack that happened in the Frozen Throne that Illidan caused, that was Ner'zhul um, reaching out to Arthas the entire time. Uh, the biggest reason why he was able to reach out to him, though, was through Frostmourne, which was also, I assume, carried to Azeroth through that block of ice. Not quite sure. I'm hoping to actually get more information on that in Shadowlands. That's the big thing I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I, um, I think I saw something recently, a Wowhead article about how it has been confirmed that Arthas Menethil is in the Maw and that, you know, we're going to get to experience uh, a lot more of his story in the afterlife now. Oh, I'm psyched about that. Yeah, if you see the uh, Harbingers video, you get to see where, uh, right as Arthas, uh, you know, right as Arthas is uh, defeated at the top of Ice Crown, you know, and he says uh, he's dying off and he says he only sees darkness before him. That's right when Uther... And uh, Uther's new friends, the Kyrian, are uh, essentially come up and snatch him and drop him into the Maw. What I didn't think about, though, is that uh, I read an article today, too, about um, how this actually goes against Kyrian law. 
and because Kyrians are supposed to forget everything that happened in their past life, move on, and start working towards this like this superior form where they're they're not really held back by anything in their past. And there's one Kyrian in particular who uh, didn't take too kindly to someone like Arthas wielding the Maw's power, Frostmourne, and uh, essentially having his way. So they actually uh, by letting Uther take Arthas and drop him into the Maw. They're actually breaking their own law because Arthas's soul was supposed to pass before the Arbiter. And now he's not going to get that opportunity. He's just been dropped in the Maw. Well, actually, um, may be able to shed some light on that for you. I'm pretty sure that part of the, the whole premise of the Kyrian storyline and part of, you know, what we're going to be doing in Shadowlands is finding out why the Arbiter is actually inactive. The Arbiter is currently not doing the job that it's supposed to be doing. Oh, that's interesting. So I know very little about um, what we're going to be going into with Shadowlands, because I like to let some of that be a mystery, but... Well, I apologize for spoiling that little part for you, then. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. I'm going to get a lot. It's uh, it, it's going to be pretty sick, figuring, uh, just getting to see that, because I'm not sure it was the Arbiter. Uh, you tell me, is the Arbiter, like... I thought the Arbiter was a being. Is it more mechanical in nature, or is it... Like, when you say it's inactive, like, what, what do you mean? Um, it from what I can tell, it is a being, and it's been dormant. I, I don't know for how long, but a short period of time, probably either when the Helm of Domination was split by Sylvanas on, on uh, top of Icecrown Citadel after she defeated Bolvar, or maybe even you know before Arthas died if he was immediately taken into the Shadowlands and dropped into the Maw. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll, we'll find out the details of that you know, as we progress through the storyline. Heck yeah. I'd be interested in hearing that. I mean, because if the Arbiter has been... The Arbiter is supposed to pass as like Azeroth's... Uh... Like Peter at the gates, right? Like Peter at the pearly gates, I think, in, in like Christianity, is he judges you basically and tells you whether you're getting into heaven or going to hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's that's definitely the vibe it gives off. Except, uh, you know, Shadowlands has kind of like multiple heavens, if you think about it. You know, we're getting to see four, but uh, there's allegedly more than just the four that we're interacting with which uh no doubt we're probably gonna maybe down a, a patch or two down the road they're probably gonna open up more places in the shadowlands that we can go i kind of look forward to that i know that i'm de- I'm definitely going to be picking the Kyrian with with my paladin only because that's where uther went and at this point i'm not even sure because they're doing a really good job of making sure that whatever covenant you pick it's not like a bad decision you know if you're playing paladin you shouldn't have to feel like you have to pick the Kyrian, or if you're playing a Death Knight, you shouldn't have to feel like you have to pick Meldraxxus. You know, you can you're deciding for your character's sake where where that player is gonna where that character is gonna go. But uh, it's gonna be pretty interesting to see, you know, which realms are available. And yeah, I'd like to get to know like what what this Arbiter looks like. You know what he does, how he makes his decisions. I guess or her decisions. I don't know. Is it a, is it a woman? It could be a man. It could be neither. If it's machine, I think that'd be very interesting because you know if it's mechanical in nature, who built that? I think in the I think in the picture that I saw, it looked very much like uh, like a Valkyr, but uh, like with the full face shield and like kind of like they looked in uh, Stormheim. But I, I could be mistaken too. I, I that's just the image I have in my head of remembering what I saw in the video. Of the I feel Arbiter. like it should be a person. 
I don't know where the Arbiter hangs out either. Uh, I could probably look that up, but why spoil it? I think it's in the, the starting zone of, you know, where we're going in Shadowlands. I think we start with the Kyrian area, and it's right in that, that main hub. Yeah, uh, I do think we're going to the Maw first, though. Right. I think the Maw is actually the the like end game zone. We go through the four covenant areas first, and then the Maw is the the last zone. Yeah, I could have sworn I read that we were going to the Maw. Like you go there first for like a little bit, and then you like break out or get saved or something. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense then. I don't know. We'll find out. I, that part I want. I, I like the mystery behind it. Yeah, and I'm not sure of that, so I I can't spoil this one for you, but. Um, back to back to Sylvanas. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, I don't I don't remember where we left off on that, but you know, talking about how she had poisoned Arthas on his way back. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Arthas was uh, basically on his way out. He was trying to. He's bailing on Lordaeron. He's leaving Kel'Thuzad behind to uh, kind of keep up with the scourge. And uh, Sylvanas tries to kill him on his way out because now she has suddenly free will, along with a bunch of other undead who and. Um, What's interesting about that is in that time that she was, uh, between she was resurrected and the time that she shot Arthas, she actually possessed her body. Because when Arthas initially killed her, she was, uh, she was just a banshee. And uh, she was just, you know, just a, in spirit form, so to speak. And she actually just repossessed her own dead body. Um, which I find, I, I find interesting. I think, the, I think that concept might show up too. Because um, that, I can't think of any other undead characters that did that. Most undead, they get stitched back together. They possess some other body or they rot in their own body. I, I, I know in the undead starting area, you know, other, other, uh, other dead people's body parts are like getting sewn back onto you so you can be more complete. Even though all the undead look the same, let's be honest. They all look like undead humans. But apparently some of them are orcs or, or, uh, or elves or whatever. Yeah, after Sylvanas tries to play that, uh, tries to fit in with the Horde, you know, she joins up with the Horde, and it's been pretty unclear what they, I feel like, in my opinion, I, I found that her character was pretty unclear what they were trying to do with her. I know she tries to be an important an important character in the story. She tries to, um, she tries to take out Arthas in, uh, in Ice Crown, she and her own sect of undead try to, uh, they break away from the Horde, I guess. Uh, the Wrathgate scene, because I know in the Wrathgate there was a big controversy where it looked like the undead were splitting from the Horde, because you had that sect of undead that were uh, shooting um, the poisonous gas at both the Alliance and the Horde, and that's uh, part of what killed Bolvar, at least the first time, or almost killed Bolvar before the dragons showed up and kind of burned away a lot of that. I don't know how much of that Sylvanas was involved in, if any. I'm sure that that lore has already been covered, and... Uh, it would have been better to see more of her in Ice Crown as opposed to just standing at the front door along with the rest of the uh, the Horde heroes. Uh, if you played Horde during that expansion at all, it's uh, it's Sylvanas and I think Thrall hanging out in the front along with Tyrion. She ended up doing something else. What was it in uh, in Legion? She uh, she was apparently helping out pretty big with the. Uh, with the Legion invasion, but had to like, uh, did you ever play the Horde side of Legion in the, at least in the start? I didn't. Um, but from what I remember, like, especially like what stands out to me is the cinematic for Legion is her fighting alongside uh variant and um, the two of them working together. Like she saves his life, I think by firing right. an arrow at an infernal or something like that. That's about to kill him. Um, 
Yeah, and you know they're they're working together. I think she had respect for Varian, and certainly doesn't hold that same respect for Anduin now. And that may be part of why she kind of split off, you know, after the events of Legion. And you know, a lot a lot of Legion was the Horde and the Alliance working together against the Burning Legion, and that's why they took you know such a hard uh, Alliance versus Horde stance with you know even the title of the next expansion, Battle for Azeroth, and then the the image of an orc and a human facing off. They they wanted to get away from the Alliance and Horde working together and put them back at odds. Oh yeah, traditional Blizzard tactic with uh, with the Warcraft universe, which you, know, you can't have two separate factions if they're not two separate factions. But um, uh, what I liked about that cover, by the way, for Battle for Azeroth, that's the that's the same cover but touched up for Warcraft Two: uh, Tides of Darkness. So that that was great. How they kind of brought back that same imagery from that uh, from that title. Oh, I didn't know that. That's that's interesting. It was uh, it, it was pretty cool. Uh, I know that also in Legion, uh, you know, you had Varian, you know, as Varian's actually getting killed by Gul'dan, or, or the second Gul'dan. Uh, apparently that was all because something happened on the Horde end of that operation, and they had to withdraw. And it kind of just looked like they bailed. And that pissed Jaina right off. <laughs> Jaina was uh, not thrilled at all that the Horde just it looked like they bailed. There was no communication between the two. And it ended up costing Varian his life. Was that when Vol'jin died as well? Is that why they they pulled back? It could have been. Maybe that's why they pulled back was because Vol'jin died. I I never played the Horde side of it. I should probably check out some of the cinematics because I know he died, but I thought he also came back. I have no idea. I just know that because of his death, he passes the torch to Sylvanas, uh, which is you know like one expansion after uh, or two expansions after the torch gets passed to Vol'jin. For Warchief too, so you know they're really just passing that one around. So yeah, I know they had to bring Jaina back for uh, for Battle for Azeroth and kind of update her character model and really delve into her history because they're bringing her back uh, big time. It feels like for for this expansion actually Shadowlands because you know you're, we're going to where Arthas was. We're touching up on a lot of characters that have died off throughout the series, and so now you have Jaina who's coming back. You have Kel'Thuzad. And you've also got uh, Sylvanas as, like, the primary antagonist so far alongside the Jailer. Uh, so you have major characters who are coming back that were really connected to Arthas, as well as big leans towards, you know, the, uh, the Lich King itself. Because now we're finding out that the Jailer is the one who controls the Helm of Domination. So it's not the Helm of Domination that lets whoever's... You know, not only does, uh, I should say it's not only, not only does the Helm of Domination let you control the Scourge, the undead, and give you all these powers, but you yourself are also being dominated by the Jailer, which is, uh, if you remember the cinematic where uh, where Arthas is defeated and the Helm is, you know, the Helm falls off of him, he, he's speaking to his father and he's like, is it over? And that kind of, um, that actually kind of leans more towards, like, being, wearing the helmet was more of a curse than it was... Uh, you know this big, this big feat of power that he had. Yeah, uh, I absolutely I agree. It's um, it also seems like Blizzard is really trying to capitalize on the you know it's the direction that even a lot of you'll see like the Avengers movies are heading now and um, strong female protagonists and antagonists and fighting against each other. Like we have Sylvanas, um, who has basically just been painted to be this form of total evil. 
we have Jaina on a quest for revenge for uh for the death of Varian. Uh but we also have Tarandi, I think is the pronunciation. And I call it Taranda. Taranda, Taranda Tarandi, who has just completely lost her mind when Teldrassil was burned. And I would be very upset if there wasn't some climactic battle between Tarandi with her new night warrior class that she seems to have taken on and become, you know, a warrior of a loon against this uh, darkened version of Sylvanas. Oh, yeah, because, you know, Sylvanas wasn't dark enough with the uh, with the uh, gothic look to her, and, and she looks like a dark elf um, for the most part. But, yeah, like, Taranda is like a, like a night elf super saiyan right now. She's the only one who uh, actually fended off the... Uh, the kidnappers, you know, you've got Anduin who just gets scooped out of the sky. Uh, that was, <laughs> I thought that video was kind of funny, actually, because Matthias Shaw is just like, no, how could this happen? I'm like, dude, you're standing right there. Like, you did nothing. Was Matthias there as well, or was that was that Gen? Was it Gen Greyman? I thought it was Matthias Shaw, one of the two. It was Gen. I think you're right. Uh, but yeah, it's just like standing there, and he gets scooped up. Like, nothing happened. There's no city guard flying around in Stormwind, nothing. Just They can just swoop in and, and scoop them up. I don't know. It, I thought that cinematic was hilarious. But uh, he gets kidnapped. Apparently Thrall, Bane, and Jaina get kidnapped. But Taronda is the only one who like obliterates her ca- her uh, kidnappers. Like She kills them. So if anything, like you've had, we've had Khadgar the past couple expansions play a big figure. You had Jaina last expansion. I think Taronda is going to be a huge player in Shadowlands, but they're being very quiet about her right now. I guess the the spotlight's not really on her yet, but I have a I have a big feeling she's going to be this uh, this expansion's like protagonist hero. I just hope she doesn't end up getting killed at some point um, in her uh, in her quest for vengeance against Sylvanas. But will it stop there? That's the other thing too, because if Sylvanas is, um, let me tell you, look back, let me go back a little bit. It's unclear when Sylvanas kind of got these powers that she got. Uh, that cinematic between uh, this opening cinematic for Shadowlands, where Sylvanas, Sylvanas versus Bolvar, that was an epic fight. And uh, you know, you, you can watch the previous expansion. You can watch, uh, or or you can watch Legion's expansion. Where those uh, those dark arrows, you know, they're hitting the uh, the demons. You know, they're causing damage, but they're not like shooting through the rock and obliterating it into pieces. Like Sylvanas is way stronger, like out of nowhere, right now. That uh, that actually has been explained as well. I'm not sure where, but I did watch a video saying that uh, you know part of the the jailer and Sylvanas's motivations, which we haven't quite gotten to yet in this discussion, but. She has a deal with him where she needs to get as many souls into the Maw as possible because it makes both of them more powerful. So that's why she's so powerful now because it's actually because of what she did at Teldrassil. She sacrificed, you know, basically an entire Night Elf civilization for power for both her and the Jailer. Oh, that's that's big. I didn't know that. Yeah, I wonder if that comes from uh from some of the questing you can do in like the beta or something like that, or is there, or is that like a book that's been released too? Because I haven't read any of the books, but with the way that the lore has been kicking off and some of the changes that they're making, it I, I'm becoming more and more incentivized to uh, probably pick up a copy of something, at least Chronicles, because that makes that would make perfect sense. 
I think it, it probably was from a book. Yeah. Um, it was like a 20-minute video I watched on, on YouTube where basically this discussion that you and I started to have here about what Sylvanus's motivations are, there was a video covering that and saying that she's got a deal with the jailer and the jailer wants souls in the maw because it's going to make him more powerful. And because she is using the power of the jailer right now, it's also making her more powerful. And the video concludes that she's just trying to become all powerful, but I don't buy that. I think, you know, some of this ties into her quest for revenge against Arthas. So she's basically the, um, she's kind of showing up then in this case is like the fourth Lich King. And, uh, that uh, also kind of explains why she would want to get rid of the helmet or the helm of domination on there. In that opening cinematic, you hear her say that there's an usurper sitting on the throne. You know, you have Bolvar, who was not chosen by the jailer to be the uh, to be the Lich King. Now, how they came to decide if Nerzul should be the Lich King is is I guess that's kind of up in the air. Um, because we're only just now discovering that the Jailer has had a lot more influence on what's going on in Azeroth. So was it the Dreadlords who kind of uh, geared Sargeras or the or Jaden or whomever to, you know, find a good subject to be a good Lich King? But Arthas was a much better Lich King in general. I mean, it took Illidan splitting Northrend and Arthas having to rush back to kind of preserve the power that was leaking out of the... Uh, the frozen throne, you know, it took that to get him up there, but I think it, it was always by design that Arthas would end up becoming the Lich King. There was just a lot he had to do in the meantime uh, to kind of set up what whatever needed to be done. And it sounds like, you know, if if the Jailer wants more souls in the Maw, that it would explain why he would want an undead scourge to ravage Azeroth in the first place. But you have a little bit of Arthas, I guess, trying to hold that back. But for the most part, Arthas was basically the perfect, um, the, the perfect subject to be the Lich King. His defeat was not expected. Being defeated on top of the Frozen Throne was not something the Jailer had anticipated, apparently. Yeah, it really makes you wonder how many, how many pawns were moved by the Jailer or people under the Jailer's influence to guide Arthas down the path that actually ultimately caused him to take the frozen throne in the first place oh yeah yeah i i'm really interested in seeing how much of it was like under his works but it also gives blizzard an opportunity to uh to introduce more characters into this cosmic war that they're trying to set up basically because now you have you basically have a new pantheon going in the shadowlands you know you've already, you got the titans who are basically the pantheon of reality and now we're exploring a pantheon of death gods where we haven't really learned too much about the first ones yet who apparently brought order to the Shadowlands. That's going to be very interesting to check out because they're essentially introducing a new pantheon there. And is there going to be an opposite to the Shadowlands? You know, is the Shadowlands, uh, does the Shadowlands have another place or is the Shadowlands just it? Is that the afterlife for, you know, for beings on, uh, for beings of reality? Because apparently that's where, you know, anything on Azeroth or any, or anything out in the, out in the universe, you could say that's the, the Shadowlands is where all of them go. I uh, watched a video on Earth on this earlier today. It's, you know, where do dead Titans go? And it's unclear if that's, uh, if it's, do they be, just become dormant again and need to be woken up? Or do they have their own, their own realm that Titans go to when they die? Yeah. And that, that could certainly be, uh, you know, one of the later patches, um, like you had mentioned earlier, 
with there being, you know, so many different, like basically a multiverse in the afterlife and we're only experiencing four plus the Maw to begin with. And it really leaves um, the story writers a lot of room to be like, okay, now you're going to go to this other section of the afterlife in this later patch. And one of those could be where the Titans go. Maybe. I mean, uh, are we going to have to fight Argus again <laughs> already? We already uh, whooped his ass like two expansions ago, but, um, you know, he was kind of just infant at that point, just completely taken over by Sargeras. But uh, that gives, uh, gives Blizzard plenty of room to talk about that. That may be a good opportunity to also reintroduce, you know, everyone's favorite uh, Illidan. You know, there's a lot of Illidan fanboys out there. And, you know, we we discussed uh, Tyrande or Tyrande earlier. Uh, and you had said something along the lines of, you know, maybe she'll die. Maybe Sylvanas will kill her, too, or something will happen to her. I think if they, you know, took it in a direction where that did happen, you would have a very furious Illidan and, you know, an equally furious Malfurion. And if they do another patch where we get to go to where the Titans go in the afterlife, I believe that's probably where Illidan would be because yeah. he, you know, went to wherever Sargeras was going after he stabbed Azeroth with his sword. So maybe that's a way for them to bring Illidan back again. Oh, yeah. I mean, Blizzard fans love Illidan. I also really loved Illidan. I mean, when uh, when I was playing Warcraft 3, you know, uh, you have Malfurion and Tyrande who have decided that in order to fight the Scourge, or really the Burning Legion that's come back after 10,000 years there, you know, they're getting ready for that fight. They're in the caverns uh, underneath Hyjal, uh, waking up the Druze of the Claw. And it, uh, it completely had slipped Malfurion's mind that that's where Illidan was kept at the time. And Tyrande was the one who was like, yo, we should free Illidan. That guy, he knows how to kill demons. Malfurion was totally against this, but uh, Tyrande's like, I don't need no man, and went and did it herself. It was great. And as soon as I saw Illidan's character model, you know, with the Wardlaves, I'd never seen a weapon before like that. Like, uh, Illidan was so cool to me. He really was. And uh, taking uh, taking up the demon's power to fight the demons was even better. So yeah, setting up another uh, you know another piece where he might get to shine again. Totally. I don't know if we'll see that in Shadowlands personally, unless they really take the story far. I hope they kind of don't tangent too far off of what they're doing with the jailer because they kind of you know did some tangents already in BFA. They should probably slow it down a little bit, in my opinion. Uh, kind of bringing in Nazjatar and then also Nihilotha, just kind of like writing these stories out. I felt like they could have had a bigger piece in in uh, in the lore and in the game, but it's fine. After uh, being stuck in Nazjatar doing dailies for the past month, I kind of don't ever want to go back. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree with that. I mean, there's there's a lot of times and we can go into detail, but we won't about you know the pressure from the Activision side on them to pump out expansions and storylines as quickly as possible purely for profit and you know that's kind of left us with some shortened expansions and content that was created and planned and in the tuning stages that we never even got to see like the the water uh water zone in cataclysm i believe it was vashir um there's an entire raid in there that we never got to see uh i think it was the abyssal maw and you can go and you can see the instance entrance it's this giant underwater beast like as big as a city and you can go inside of it and i think there may have been some quests during the expansion that brought you into different sections of that but 
you know, that was a, a really cool concept that it never saw the light. And, you know, if you look at uh, Warlords of Draenor and the raids that came out of that expansion, you know, a lot of people say that was one of the worst expansions that they ever did. But, you know, their their raid content and their dungeon content throughout that expansion was fantastic. They They wanted to pump Legion out as quickly as possible purely for, you know, recovering from the garrison introduction. Um, and how, how big of an influence the garrisons had on that expansion and the loss of player base they experienced with that. Uh, but there were a lot of other things planned for Draenor that we never saw as well. Like we were going to get into, uh, Shatrath and experience that outside of just its, its outland experience where it was more like destroyed. And if you do the, the quests in, I believe it's the zone Talador in the Warlords of Draenor expansion, you can, hang out around what was Shatrath protected by a magical barrier and that was going to be you know a whole separate section of the game that we never saw so i was flying over there because i've been doing uh some drenor uh raids for transmog so i haven't really played warlords of drenor but you're telling me that we never actually got to go into Shatrath, like this nice new version of it yeah uh, we could fly around the outside of it but even to this day if you try to fly into it uh it pushes you back and says it's protected by a magical barrier there's guards standing outside of it. We never got to go inside. Bummer. What a letdown. I uh, I mean, I don't know. I really wasn't burning to get inside of it, but I know that, you know, you've got the Naru hanging out in there, at least in the Outland version of it. Um, so that sucks. I heard that they also didn't do uh, a raid concerning uh, more of the ogres and kind of where the ogres came from, because I know ogres are presents in Outland, but Outland's a big a, a big world. It's got oceans. It should have islands. I I. I was pretty certain there was like an island. I guess we were supposed to get to some patch that they didn't introduce, where uh, you know, kind of ex- gives you more information on where ogres came from. That uh, that also did not happen. Yeah, there was a lot more planned for that expansion that people knew about and were excited for that never saw the light of day, and that's just what we knew about. I mean, that, there's I'm sure a lot of other stuff that you know that's happened within the past, and ideas have just been scrapped before rumors were ever even formed about them that's a shame i don't know if going back to them later would make sense but i mean i really hope there's some kind of redemption factor that's not to say though they're suspecting that there might be a time skip uh after shadowland i mean this is the closest wow in my opinion has ever been to like a reboot this is like wow 2 with this expansion because we're getting the we're getting the reset on the level cap which is kind of necessary 130 would be a weird level to get to um they've really revamped the way that they're handling the entire game as a whole you know by having you go through like the timelines with chromie you know you pick an expansion that you want to go through and uh spend four hours there apparently and then hit level 50. uh um you've also got uh, the fact that after we go, we're we're leaving. We're not just leaving Azeroth. Like you know, when we left Azeroth to go to Drenor, or when we left Azeroth to go to Argus, like we were still within, uh, we were still within the plane of reality. At least as as how the player base can see it. That's how mortals can see it. Our characters that we play as, they are part of this. They are part of reality. We're going to the Shadowlands, and there's, from what I understand, there's some speculation. There's no guarantee that when we come back. From that storyline from Azeroth, that we're going to be coming back to the same time, and Blizzard has already had in place the ability to move through time 
And they're only making that more and more accessible with these time walking campaigns you can do with your alts now. There's no guarantee that when we come back, it's going to be the same Azeroth. Are we going to start doing a revamp of like the new, or is there going to be this new Azeroth where we're, you know, a hundred or a thousand years down the road? Uh, are we going to be able to go back to Drenor and check out some of this lost content? Is that going to be our chance to check out Abyssal Maw? Like, the you know Activision might be trying to have Blizzard like pump out more content, and that's certainly putting a weird taste in people's mouths, especially since Blizzard is changing for the better, but also for the worse in a lot of different ways. You're losing a lot of the original content creators and stuff like that. But they've got this. Uh, they've got all of Azeroth set up, and they've got a, they've got really big mechanics in place where they could do a lot of interesting stuff with it. It would be pretty cool to come back to an Azeroth that has been like untouched for that for for a couple thousand years i think that'd be the probably the best way to uh reinvigorate the entire world again and if you still wanted to you have chromie's time walking to go right back to it i just don't know how they could kind of like squeeze that in if that's something that they want to do certainly something i would like to experience that's a that's a great hypothesis, a great theory, not anything I've I've heard of before, and I think that it would be uh, really good to see a system like that come into place. Uh, but with that, uh, I think we're gonna call it here. I appreciate you coming on the show today, and uh, would be I would be personally delighted to uh, have you come back, and we can do some more deep dives into some more specific lore topics uh, for our listeners. If there is a specific lore topic that you want to hear more about, uh, Aetherock here is probably one of my most uh, trusted advisors when it comes to lore. He's talked my ears off for hours at work on multiple occasions and is just a, has a vast wealth of knowledge. So uh, definitely um, let me know or let him know if there is a topic you want us to cover and you know we'll, we'll keep these bonus episodes coming for you if that's something you'd be interested in. Yeah, that sounds great to me too. Look forward to it. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thank you to Curtis of the Pool Parents Podcast for the use and creation of our theme song. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode of the Kind of Serious Podcast. Thanks, guys. See ya.